Welcome to The Undergrowth. I'm Marissa. And I'm Aaliyah. And we are on a journey to ignite collective liberation through juicy conversations. We will feature the voices of powerful truth-tellers, visionary artists, movement leaders, and wisdom holders to unveil their journey and share the medicine of their work. This space is an invitation to bring you into deep curiosity and self-reflection as we unpack the conditioning we no longer need to carry. And now, on to today's conversation. We are thrilled to be joined by Aria Samuelson as we unravel stories told and untold. Writer, editor, and sacred space holder, Aria takes us on the journey of healing through writing. She shares the process of reconnecting to her creative child self and clearing the conditioning that was imposed upon her. So we are so, so happy to have you here and like hear about all the juicy magic that is present in your life and in your story. Yeah, I've witnessed you over the years and just mm, especially in this last like two year and a half, two years of, of unfolding. And I can't wait to hear a little bit about and share what's moving in your world. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> mm, thank you so much for having me. I'm really um, I, I love I love talking about all these things. <laughs> I love talking about. <laughs> magic and writing and creativity and um mm. it's really what lights me up to to get to take that from the solitary sedentary mm. place that I usually do all the writing and get to really you know let it transmit outwards so um, mm. I'm excited thank you mm. Marissa thank you Aaliyah mm -hmm. yeah yes so yeah so we would love to know a little bit about your journey um like where, what are some of the key pieces that you want to bring forward about kind of how you landed where you are right now? Yeah, sure. So, um, so my sort of defining origin story was my parents splitting up a couple weeks after I was born. Um, and the timeline they don't agree upon, which sort of is, <laughs> uh, you know, part of part of the fracture. Um, but it was a very defining kind of um, split for me. And my place of refuge and sort of all the chaos that ensued was really creativity and drawing for hours and hours and hours and losing myself in that and then discovering reading and discovering writing and um, that place of creativity and that sort of intimate um, space of focus um, was has always really been my safest place, um, or it was at least when I was a child, um, because what happened was then I was sort of treated a little bit like a show pony. Mm. Um, you know, I had a lot of different gifts and a lot of different um, aptitudes for things. And, um, it was, uh, I was a little bit sort of trotted out to kind of perform for all these different people with all these different things that I had initially loved to do, but quickly came, uh, to mm -hmm. feel, uh, way too pressured around. Um, so it kind of stamped out my creativity, um, really around, uh, the time that I was between, like 11 and 13. Mm -hmm. um, once I actually was a teenager, um, 
I still loved reading. I still loved writing. I also was a singer. I did all this stuff with musical theater, um, but the pleasure was gone. Mm-hmm. Um, and the real kind of trust was gone mm-hmm. um, in it for me. And so, um, you know, for my whole adolescence and kind of uh, college years, I was really struggling with this this part of me that knew that I was an artist and knew that this that there was this incredible capacity that I had for expression, but then this sort of inability to actually <laughs> seem to express anything. Um, so mm. I, yeah, and we can pause at any point too. <laughs> <if> you <don't laughs> or I can keep going. Yeah, <laughs> yeah okay, super great. juicy. Yeah, we'd love to hear more. Okay. So, um, you know, in addition to the many, to the many, many things that I loved, writing was really one of the persistent ones. Um, and my stepmom uh, was a was a writer, and my dad was an editor, and um, the, a lot of different voices were in my head whenever I tried to sit down to write. And um, it was incredibly frustrating because, you know, I'd read these books that I'd love or I'd have these ideas in my head. And as soon as I'd sit down to write them, they just didn't translate to what was in my head. And so that was very, very confusing for many years. Um, And one of my big turning points was um, was attending this week long workshop at uh, Naropa where they do this summer writing institute every year. And Europa is this Buddhist college that our university that, um, you know, really weaves in meditation and these um, kind of very, uh, very non-East Coast liberal arts school <laughs> things. Um, to give you an idea, their, um, their MFA program is um, called the Jack Kerouac School of Disembodied Poetics. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah yeah so um I went there I was 25 or 26 at this point and um it was just such a radically different approach to writing than I'd ever encountered um I took a class with this writer named um this poet named Danielle Vogel um and she said something that has stayed with me ever since she said language is the closest thing we have to an extended nervous system. Mm. And she really recognized this capacity that writing has uh, to transmit to other people's nervous systems Mm. and to be able to touch any, anybody um, as different as their body and way of moving through the world might be when you really write from the body, Mm. there is a way that you can, that you can touch somebody else, which is, you know, what we're trying to do as writers. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a huge revelation. And also this idea that um, that was really kind of the whole approach of this school, which was that, um, you know, you might think you have the idea, you might think that you know the idea that you're trying to write, mm-hmm. but you can't know what it is until you write your way to it. Mm-hmm that everything you want to say has its language, you have to find what it is. And Mm -hmm. so all those times that I'd been sitting down trying to um, almost like translate this thing in my head, that was assuming that it was complete already. And therefore I could just, you know, uh, 
know all the right words instead of this idea that you can really write have to write your way towards it and this idea of discovery and surprise mm -hmm. um, really being the formative approach mm. so that kind of changed my whole life <laughs> <laughs> wow so yeah mm. so should I keep going <laughs> <laughs> mm. yeah I would I think the thing that's coming through that I know happened more recently is um yeah Lydia, your work with Lydia? Yep. Yep. So, um, yeah, so I had been enamored for a long time with this writer named Lydia Yukonovich, who wrote this book that came out, um, I remember it came out right as I was graduating college in 2013, um, this, this memoir called Chronology of Water. And I saw it all over, um, all over Portland, Oregon, where I was living. She's a Portland writer. I remember even seeing it in a sex shop. <laughs> um, and that made me intrigued, <laughs> this feminist <laughs> sex shop. Um, and I read it and it um, is, this she calls it an anti-memoir but it's a um a book that is really trying to um write the truths of the body and really this full-throated um memoir that uh made me think maybe i can do something like this which isn't always how i felt when i read a book that i really loved um but there was something about this that opened up space and this book has been quite transformative for a lot of people it's kind of got a cult following um so her work had always you know her work had been in my head for a long time um but yeah around 2016 so around the time of naropa i started taking classes with her and that was a huge turning point or sort of part of this new direction that my, my that my writing and my approach to creativity had taken um, this approach that was really about how do you write from the body um, and into the multiplicity of what lives there the stories the pleasure the pain the grief the ecstasy um, and through doing that really write um, allow these truths to also be transformed so yeah, she's been a huge influence. Um, her pedagogy, she, she runs a school called Corporeal Writing. And um, I've gotten to work with her in a number of different capacities. So she's been a huge part of it all. Um, and also her, her school is also very, um, it's not critique based. Um, it's really people listening very deeply to each other and reflecting back the moments of brilliance inside of it. And from there, helping people, helping a writer see what something really can be. So that was all really formative. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I did my MFA. Um, I started with memoir, ended up writing a novel um, that I'm still working on years later. Um, and now <laughs> I'm almost at the arrival point. <laughs> <laughs> so um, all of that. So, you know, I had knew for a long time that sort of through this journey that I really always loved talking to people about where their own creative blocks were and I was waiting for a long time to really figure out um mm. like how how to do that I really kind of dreamt of like some kind of gathering place where people could um get together and sort of alchemize um their own creativity but I wasn't sure what it would look like for a while and um during the pandemic I was standing next to the dishwasher because sometimes you just remember the most random thing when, <laughs> when ideas hit you. And, um, 
the idea hit me and it was if I am, you know, going to work with people around their creativity, the way to do that is through writing. It's not talking about all the blocks. It's about actually writing through Mm -hmm. them. So um, I started teaching as a pandemic whim because it was just kind of one of those moments when um, I'm sure um, other people listening can, can, can agree um, or might relate um, a moment of all the things that they told us we were supposed to do to be successful um, were kind of bullshit. So, <laughs> mm. you know, yeah. uh, I, I knew I'd wanted, I knew I wanted a career change um, and I didn't have teaching experience. So I was like, all right, I'm going to start teaching. <laughs> then I'll have yeah, teaching okay. experience. So mm. yeah. So a pandemic whim, I started with just a couple of close friends. Um, then I, it was, it was such a, exciting experience that I did it again with more friends and then they invited their friends and so on and so on and so on. So now it's, um, Mm. the end of 2021 and, um, I really stand very firmly in that identity, um, Mm. and lovingly and so ecstatically really, um, of getting to guide people through these processes of, um, of tuning into the stories inside their bodies and transforming them into art. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. so beautiful I'm like really moved by your language and the some of the concepts and the pieces that you're sharing and it reminds me because you're talking about you started like offering little like workshops and sporadic things and I actually don't know where in that um storyline my taking your Mm. course happened but I know (laughs) that I think it was like November December of last year is that true? Writing, mm-hmm. writing as ritual. Was that the second time yeah. you ran it? Um, I think you were in the third round. The third round. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You were in the, right. Yeah. So I did it twice just to see what it felt like. And it still felt so juicy that mm-hmm. I was like, all right, let's, let's open up even more. So it's actually been a really cool, um, it's pretty mm-hmm. much all word of mouth. So it's been a lot of friends uh like you and me Marissa who <laughs> you know hadn't been in touch for many years um it's mm-hmm. been sort of like an open door for many people back into my life um mm-hmm. as well as a way to connect with people's friends and friends of friends and friends of friends of friends of friends so it's like this whole kind of like amazing octopus at this point mm-hmm. mm, I love that so I have a I kind of want to circle back I have a question yeah. that kind of came to mind as I was listening to yeah the journey of, of your, um, creation here. And it, it kind of resonated with me in this aspect of very similar experience. I, Mm. um, as a young child was very creative. I sang and I was in theater and I danced and I wrote constantly. I had journal after journal. Um, Mm. and so it was very much sparking this like memory for me. And I, I too had, around the same age, um, uh, I found a a singing uh, uh, coach. And Mm. I remember very specifically, because I don't remember a lot of that time, there was some definitely some trauma. But um, I remember very specifically, the woman who found me, she saw me, I was, uh, you know, in a play, and she came up to like my parents and was like, Oh, my gosh, I want to, you know, work with this woman, this daughter. And so 
um, she specifically said, I want you to be the next Mariah Carey. It was very much like, okay, interesting. Mm. You know, they wanted to coach me and, and kind of morph me into somebody that really I wasn't, but just like, just based on my voice and, and the potential there. And so I did a couple of competitions and I, I actually don't have the memory of the trauma, but I haven't really sang since. And hmm. something that you were talking about within your journey that may have kind of jumped forward in the story of the, the kind of medicine of processing through that. You describe how now hmm. within your classes and within your teachings, you talk about how writing is uh, how writing from the the body, how it is more of a somatic experience. And I believe that trauma definitely lives in our bodies. And how do you connect the two of those? How do you really help somebody that is shut down or has major mm. creative blocks that have trauma that lives in the body? How do you support them and, you know, the tools mm. to be able to get them to really break free and find their creative um, flow again? Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing that experience. Yes, it really, it really resonates. It's sort of yeah. amazing, right? How like yeah. these moments that you, that are, are sort of seen as like the dream moment, right? The right. being discovered, being told you'll be the next Mariah Carey can be exactly what fucks you up from creativity <laughs> the rest of your life. Yeah. Um, the pressure. Yeah. 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 I think it can be incredibly, incredibly confusing. Mm. Um, and yeah, I think, um, so thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Um, yeah, it's, it's, um, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot that, um, that comes up to me with that question. I mean, I think I'll say a little bit about what I mean by writing from the body. Um, yeah. cause I mean a couple different things. Um, and you know, the great thing about being a teacher is that I had to get really clear about what I did mean. So, yeah. um, Yes, yeah, so I realized I mean I meant three different things. So I see writing the body um, as a process. I see it as something that shows up on the page, and I see it as a way to put together a story. So I'll just say a little bit briefly about kind of those these three different components of it. So um, as a process, um, it is um, really about dropping out of that rational um, logic uh, making part of our brains, which we usually associate with language and dropping into the feeling, sensing self where um, there is still language, but it is messy and sometimes feels like dreaming and it doesn't necessarily make sense. Um, and so I'm just even beginning to sort of literally just drop the attention anywhere below the neck um, can begin to mean to find there's a lot of information that lives there um and you know and I mean when I say it shows up on the page I mean that I think it makes for really powerful writing um that you know the sort of amazing thing about this world as sort of awful as so much of it is we're really hardwired for empathy so when I really when I talk about my body when I talk about as specific as I can get we all know this with like a mosquito bite um, you know, when somebody can't stop complaining about how much something is itching and you start to kind of itch yourself, um, it yeah. does something, <laughs> you know, you, you start to feel it. And right. If I were to really talk about how itchy it is and how red and blotchy and, <laughs> and agitated it is, it starts to do something and it's 
the same if you're talking about like an ache in a shoulder blade or, you know, um, like a clenched stomach. Um, and so, you know, these details really begin to ground um, and, and transmit across the page. Um, and it's also a way to put together a story that you can tell a, um, you know, I can tell the story, for example, of my whole life by just talking about memories of my throat, because the throat for me is this intersection of memories that are about singing, about consent, about moments that I couldn't say anything, moments that, you know, experiences where I was choked, um, both literally and figuratively, um, and beginning to sort of put those, like patch those different stories and memories together begins to tell a much bigger story. Um, mm. And I think that in terms of working with trauma, I mean, just even beginning to, um, and the dissociation beginning to, beginning to tune in um, to the information that is there, um, also noting that dissociation is fucking real. Mm -hmm. um, and even to acknowledge that a moment on the, you know, and this is in life, but this is also on the page to be able even to say, I can't feel my legs is doing something. It's, it's refusing to perpetuate that erasure of the body. It's, it's mm -hmm. saying, this is my experience. It's an active experience. Um, mm -hmm. So another way that I work with trauma, I'll just say briefly is, so sometimes that tuning into the body is, is too hard um, or, or feels empty um, because, you know, sometimes they're um, the, the defense mechanisms are so strong. So another way that people do is writing about like a moment where their body was um, deeply connected to, and to, to the earth, whether that was mud or sunshine or, um, or leaves or grass or a wind. And those can be also ways just to help people to begin to sort of touch into those sensory um, experiences again. Mm -hmm. And what you do on the page also you do kind of in your life and vice versa too. Mm. Mm. I love that. Thank you for sharing. Mm. Yeah, it's so it's so beautiful to feel your words and your self-expression just coming through in the way that you're that you're sharing and talking. And it makes me really want to invite you to share a little bit more about some of the the writings that have come through you and things that you've published and this book that you're working on and kind of the magic that's been moving through your hands and through your heart. Mm. Mm, thank you. Um, <laughs> I had to write down some notes because I had a feeling this question was going to come up. <laughs> I was like, of everything, the hardest question is what is my novel about? Um, <laughs> but I'm, <laughs> I'm happy to say something. It's one of those things where it kind of comes out differently every time, but um, but I can say, yeah, I write, um, a lot of different things. I'm kind of always drawn back to writing fiction, I'm writing nonfiction, um, like writing from my own life and trying to make sense of things. And through doing that, realizing that, uh, I can always discover something new, which is mm. pretty, pretty rad. Um, but yeah, like I said, I went to, when I started my MFA program, I went in with a plan for working on a memoir um, and within the first semester um, heard this family story. Um, I was taking a class um, on 
like old folk, unlike European folk medicine in Mendocino in California. Um, mm. And uh, and that's and I was uh, encouraged to ask a lot of questions about my ancestors and where they came from and what we knew about them. So I started talking to my living relatives and hearing some stories um, about my ancestors and some of them I had heard before, but they just hit me in a different way. Um, and this one story in particular hit me. Um, and as soon as I heard it, I just knew that I needed to write about it. So um, I can say a little bit briefly. Um, so it's sort of two different puzzles. Um, uh, one is my great great grandfather and his brother, who are both um, Polish immigrants. Um, came to America not too many years after each other, but something happened um, soon after they arrived that meant that they never spoke to each other ever again. Yeah. Nobody knows why, but their children wouldn't talk to each other and their children wouldn't talk to each other. And, you know, eventually mm -hmm. nobody knew why anymore. Um, so that's sort of the first mystery. And the second is about um, my great great aunt Ida. So, um, so my great great grandfather, he had many, many children. Um, as far as I knew, they all came to America, they all settled, they all had, you know, children and grandchildren and great grandchildren, you know, I'm one of them. But <laughs> there was actually one who nobody ever knew about. And her name was Ida. And um, it was discovered um, a couple decades ago, um, I don't know, maybe in the 80s, or something. Um, that um, Ida had not only existed, but that she had spent her whole adult life in a psychiatric hospital on Long Island. Again, nobody knew why. Mm. So I got very, very interested in this. Um, I started hearing some rumors about the ways in which these two mysteries were actually very connected, that some mm. things had happened um, between Ida and her uncle that meant that um, the family needed to shut her away in a mental mm -hmm. asylum and not have anybody hear about it. So just something about hearing mm -hmm. the story while in this program, while thinking about these ancestral um, stories, while trying to connect to my Judaism from a different mm -hmm. place, um, I just knew that I needed to write it. I knew that it needed to be in five voices. And um, I knew that it had to be fiction. <laughs> mm. So mm. that's um, that's what I'm working on. Wow. Mm -hmm. I feel this like powerful thread of of collective and ancestral healing through through the story of your family, but then this like greater this greater network, right? Because I think if most of us look back into our familial history, like somewhere in someone there's, there's rejection or isolation or mental illness or like a family feud or like just these, yeah. these fragmentations. And it seems yeah. like really, really wild form of healing to be writing these stories and I'm sure I'm wondering if there's been a ripple effect that you felt in your own life or in your family or in your community while in this process yeah yeah it's it's um 
I, I have felt this rippling effect, um, even though it's like fundamentally mysterious. It's so interesting mm -hmm. because when I'm writing nonfiction, um, when I'm writing about my own life as like hard as that is, because you know, you, it's, it's so close. I feel mm -hmm. like I know what it is that I'm transforming and I can feel, um, I sort of know what I'm, uh, not know what I'm doing as in, I like, am like have a strategy, but, um, the sort of ways in which it's transformative feel clear um, after a certain period once I realize what the story is about and kind of what I can do with it. But fiction, um, you know, I, I do like I do see this project as this way to reimagine what might have happened and to um, form as to serve as some way of repairing um, the familial trauma of this erasure. Um, and some of that is just through making it real, through making it inhabited. Um, you know, the story really stays very close to, it's just nine months. It's just nine months in the lives of these different characters, mm -hmm. um, writing in present tense, all of these different things unfolding. And because it's five different voices, it's kind of kaleidoscopic and they don't, you know, um, they don't see each other. They don't see what's real for each other. Um, and that's, something that I think is really compelling on a narrative level and it's really tragic mm. <laughs> on a on a truthful level mm. um but something I have seen is the way that um uh that these because you're right you're right Marissa that you know through through talking about this story I've heard from so many different people um the ways in which they've related and these mm -hmm. cutoffs and these um, secrets and these mm -hmm. betrayals mm -hmm. um, and um, a lot of them done to women but not not ex obviously not exclusively but a lot of them done to women um, mm -hmm. and what and what sort of has been passed down and so what's become clear is the way that um, kind of in each generation there's been a pariah and Ida, Ida was the pariah of her generation um, mm -hmm. you know the family needed especially arriving in America um, as Jews, um, they needed to protect their burgeoning identity and this very, very precarious security. Um, mm -hmm. And they did that by sacrificing her. And um, it's something that has happened in subsequent generations in my family, you know, in, in, in different ways, but there has been a pariah, um, mental illness and hospitalization, um, have, have happened in my family again. And a lot of things have been projected onto, um, one person at a time, mm -hmm. kind of as if they're the root of the problem. And meanwhile, the whole family can kind of, um, feel like it's a strong, clear unit um, because it has something to organize against. Mm. Um, so my hope is that just through, you know, beginning to name that, um, that even beginning to pass along the story does something. Um, it's not like my final answer on it all, I'm hoping, <laughs> but uh, it does something. It does something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, po really powerful. Well, I know we've touched on a little like pieces of the work that you're offering, but it would be so sweet to hear about how people can get involved with the things that you're creating and, and obviously the spaces that you're that you're holding are are really right for transformation and introspection. 
Yeah, I would, I would be happy to share. Um, so I, um, my class, the one that I mentioned is called writing is ritual. Um, it is something I offer <laughs> as often as, uh, as feels right. Sort of people, people find me and then I realize it's time. Um, so they're all on my website, which is www.ariasamuelson.com, which I've never said out loud before. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, uh, as well as writings and different things that I've written. Um, and yeah, so writing is ritual. I also teach classes um, with different places like Pioneer Valley Worker. I'm sorry, that's not right. Um, Pioneer Valley Writers Workshop. Um, I teach a lot about revision, about helping people kind of find what the story is beneath the story um, that they thought they were writing. Um, mm. And a bunch of different uh, one day workshops that range from one day to, to a number of different weeks. Um, so those are all on my website as well. Beautiful. Yeah, I know that you've been doing some some scattered workshops and then writing as ritual is kind of that consistent space holding that you have. And it runs just like sporadically, but a couple times a year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think the next one. Well, we'll see. We'll see. (laughs) We'll see when the next one happens. (laughs) Yes, that totally makes sense. I'm also curious if... um, as you're holding these visions and you were talking about, you know, COVID and this year, these last two years being like this launching pad, if you had a dream for the ways that your business could expand and unfold, is there anything that comes through mm. for you? Mm. Well, I, yeah, that's a great question. Um you know, I'm very blessed to also have a day job <laughs> and I feel a little superstitious about it. If, if I ever were to come, if I were to commit to this a hundred percent, I, I don't know. I don't know what would happen, um, mm. but I, it feels really amazing to show up to the teaching space from a place of just pure love and delight and presence mm. Um, to not need to depend on it in any kind of like, um, you know, subsistence way. Um, and to just be able to really, um, I feel like in those spaces, I come away feeling even more energized than I walked in. And um, that's not really been my experience with work um, before. I feel like it's the most deeply rewarding um, work I've ever I've ever found. So um, I'm just really just continuing to pay attention to my body of, you know, um, as long as it feels just really, um, as long as it still feels really juicy, as long as um, people seem to be uh, discovering new things about themselves. Um, Also too, just that people, um, you don't have to consider yourself a writer to take these classes. We have um, incredibly, uh, diverse uh, range of talents and identities in the room. Um, and there are a lot of folks who are sculptors or documentary filmmakers or dancers or, um, you know, or musicians. Um, I, I don't say so many, I mean, they're small spaces altogether. They're just eight people at a time, but we've had all of those different people. And we've also had people who um, don't consider themselves writers too. And, um, then they write like the most beautiful, brilliant thing ever. So, 
um, yeah, just continuing to really lean and hold space for that. Um, I do, I have also been training a little bit um, slowly as a somatic coach. So mm. that's something that I'd love to do with artists. Because I think <laughs> if you can't tell, I think that that's just like such a powerful intersection. Mm. Um, so that's something that I am working towards certification in. Mm. And um, yeah, it's just, I think, continuing to um, just get to help sort of steward the process. And I also do book editing too. So working with one person at a time on what they have. And um, it's just like deeply exciting, rewarding work. So I think it's just continuing to lean in and see where it all goes. And then mm -hmm. also writing my own book. <laughs> <laughs> Mm -hmm. somewhere in somewhere in there um I'm, yeah. I'm gearing up to 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 dive back in over the solstice winter is my time so it's not winter yet <laughs> mm, winter is such a good time to really just like dive into to the work that's inside you know such a good space for that yeah so at this I'd love to ask you just one last question um we love yeah. closing with this it's so sweet to think about if you could write a little love note to the younger version of yourself, what would it sound like? Hmm. What would my love note sound like? <laughs> hmm. Hmm. This is sometimes why I'm a writer, because I get to <laughs> write things down <laughs> before I say them out loud. <laughs> yeah, off the off the cuff is not always easy, uh, you know. Yeah. Yeah. No editing loud. <laughs> yeah. I think um I think I always knew that that you know, that that um, child part of me who just relished in self, in, in expressing my, in, in, in expression and play and drama and um, just the, just the pleasure of all those things. Um, I always knew that that was the truer self than the, than that censored, pressured you know, self-effacing part um, that that formed later on. And for a long time, that was really, um, you know, that was what was so painful. I was like, did I peak at age three? <laughs> <laughs> but I think, um, I think I really would say to that younger self of me that that you know that that struggling self to really trust that that intuition was was right mm -hmm. that that um that that inner child that um that like deep um love and like real um kind of fire in me for creativity that like that could never be stamped out mm -hmm. um you know, that it was just sort of a, a, a digression um, and a digression that's really helped me to relate um, to, to many people's experiences. 
um, because you know, as you as you were saying, Aaliyah, it's it's really it's really 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 common, and almost mm-hmm. I'd say most of the people that I meet now, um, and maybe this says just as much about me as it does about them, but <laughs> I feel like almost everyone I meet tells me that there's some creative dream that they have or something that they're kind of yearning for, either that they loved when they were younger or that they um, have always wanted to do but haven't dared. Um, or they just, you know, want to want to get into a different part of their brains. Maybe it isn't even so ambitious. But, um, you know, knowing what that, knowing what um, the, uh, knowing that sensor really allows me to, be able to honor that and other people um too so I think mm. just really trusting the intuition that it was all 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 true and all all right but not necessarily all that fun <laughs> <laughs> so sweet yeah, yeah. And so true you know there's something that just came through that I that I have to share yeah. and Aria, you were a blessing to me and you led me towards the Strozzi Institute, which does like somatic trainings. And I know you mentioned that that's something on your radar. And um, I did one of their small programs that's like three months long. And in it, they shared this most beautiful like research that was done around resilience. And you might remember this, but they said Mm -hmm. like resilience boils down to four things animals like time with animals time in nature creativity and then let me see if i can remember the last one rhythm what it what did you say it was oh spirituality spirituality it was spirituality that's what it mm-hmm. is yeah yeah mm-hmm. and you just in that little share i just you reminded me that this is like this is our birthright mm-hmm. human beings are born to be creative and mm-hmm. it's a way that we remain like we can that we can heal and overcome adversity and so just hearing you speak about that yearning that people have to create and how it's both this deep deep calling and a lot of a lot of blocks that we find but also so much healing that's possible yeah yeah no absolutely and I also just want to say one uh, one last thing too, which is that, you know, this, this idea of writing the body, it's, it's not, it's not new. Um, you know, this has been, (laughs) this has been happening for all of time. It's just sort of a question of who has been allowed to write about whose body. Um, Mm -hmm. and so, you know, there, there, you know, there are bodies throughout all of literature, but, you know, it's, often been only certain bodies, Um, you know, bodies Mm. of people who are primarily white, almost exclusively cis, straight, and male. Mm. Um, And there are so many experiences that haven't been allowed to be written. Um, The, you know, living in a body of color, uh, the experience of state or racialized violence, abortion, queer desires, you know, being differently abled or neurotypical, like knowing, living in a body that knows the constant threat of, of violence. These are all, um, these are all experiences of the body and through not allowing those stories to, um, to be told, we're also refusing to acknowledge the violence that Mm. creates it in the first place. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's not an accident that many, that there really is this movement right now of, 
of writers who really are writing the body in like, abundantly varied ways who um, you know, are primarily people of color and queer folks and women and um, differently able folks and, and folks who are writing from trauma and through those marginalized experiences. And it's not because those are the only, you know, it's not because uh, one experience is more legitimate than the other, but it's these writers know that they are through writing the body, they're writing themselves into existence and writing themselves back into existence and into wholeness. And that's mm -hmm. something that all of us can really do. That writing the body really allows us to bring our wholeness uh, to the page, that authentic experience and the real complexity of identity and experience and memory that each of us inhabits. And so it's really, it's a really radical act. And I really, mm. um, I really want that to come through. Mm. Wow. Thank you for speaking that out loud. That feels like an incredibly profound and important layer of of your writing process and the the act of transformation and liberation and and the movement, the social movement that's happening right now in the ways that writing can help that process. Yeah, unfold. Mm. Yeah. That's that's the idea. <laughs> wow. I'm on the caravan for change. <laughs> We're on that train with you. <laughs> yes. Woo! Party train. <laughs> we have fun. <laughs> now it gets to be fun. It wasn't fun before. Now we get to have fun. <laughs> the transformation train. Choo-choo. Yes. Yes. Transformation train. Yep. <laughs> Well, it has been such a pleasure to hear about your story and yeah, the wisdom that you've come across and the the movement that's happened in your life so that you could birth this part of your story. Thank you so much. It's it's such a um it feels like such a gift to get to really reflect on what uh what it's all what it's all been like. So I hope that um yeah, I hope that this <laughs> I hope that this resonates with with folks out there and um yeah because we all you know artists really really fucking need each other <laughs> yeah so I need all of you as much as <laughs> you might need me well thank you so much mm -hmm. I can't wait to see what you're doing in the world Yes. Yeah. And we'll drop for all our listeners your info in the description so they can get a hold of you and take your courses and receive your medicine out in the world. Amazing. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. Today's episode was sponsored by the people who love and support us in our unfolding. We couldn't do it without them. Deep gratitude to you all, our listeners, for showing up to learn and grow with us. We are honored to be on this journey with you. We'd love to continue connecting. Find us on Instagram at the Undergrowth Podcast and support this evolving community by donating through Venmo at nurtured-rhythm. Make sure to subscribe to stay in the loop. We can't wait to have you for our next episode.